Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and our guest today is Belle Shank. Belle is the Artistic Director of Express Media and the author of Ambulances and Dreamers. Welcome, Belle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we begin chatting today, um, I'd love to get our listeners situated and, and get them to have a sense of the way you use language. Can you read us some... Um, a poem? Any poem from Ambulances and Dreamers? I can. I'll read um, a poem called City Heat, Walking to the Pub. Cop a load of us trying to slip down a cowlick on my forehead that just refuses, curls up. We are walking slower than we should in the pause of the mixtape, one butt of music in my ear while the other waits in yours, until we reach the song that in its own little way says stay like this forever. You don't need to complain about the weather when it's all mapped out for you on television. Dress for it, as I have done, and treat it as a challenge. Dare it. Dare it to live up to its promise, because in time we will be cooler and we want to remember what this feels like. The way Mouth Street Shade has moved to the south side caught us out when we weren't looking. We walked the concrete, trying to get to the beer garden, and like the snap and whistle of distant fireworks, we are fading watching our shadows on the footpath until the sun hits our pale faces. Copper load of it, dare me, dare me to hand stand in it, hide my face in the shade while the sun zaps my souls in the air. Mm. And that, that's appropriate at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I guess it is definitely appropriate at the moment. So tell me a little bit about how this particular poem came about. What gave rise to it? Um, well, it's actually really based on something that happened. A lot of my work isn't autobiographical at all, but this one was. It was me and a, just a friend walking to the pub on an absolutely insanely hot day in Adelaide a couple of years ago. Um, and like I'm, I'm very conscious of being in the sun. <laughs> I don't really like it, so I'm always following the shade. Like I'm always walking on the side of the, the road that has the shade. Um, so yeah, it's based on something completely simple and I have put little bits of um, poetic license in that because I mean the poem suggests that there's something going on with these two friends which is not necessarily the case. So um, yeah, that's what that one was all about. It's about a pub that I go to in Adelaide all the time, even though I don't live in Adelaide anymore, but when I when I go back to visit, um, I'll always tend to go to that particular pub for the beer garden. And hopefully it's never that hot again. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. It probably just has been. Yeah, it has been. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Um, now, about the book itself, did, did you produce the poems individually and get to a point where you thought, okay, I've got enough material, or did you actually work towards a theme? Uh, at the beginning, I was randomly writing poems. It's been written over the last five years, pretty much. So for the first, say three years there were just random poems coming out uh, whenever I felt like it. I'm not really someone who sits down regularly and will write, like I don't really force myself to write. But I was finding that over time there was things, uh, particular things coming up. So I would um, select particular poems and put them into sections of the book, whether they were based on travel or, or breakups or relationships or... Um, there are some fortune cookie poems in there, so I was writing to like responses to fortune cookies. 
um, all messages on Fortune cookies. So once I did sit down and, and printed them all off and placed them on my floor and realised that really they were extremely thematic and I don't know if that's just because I'm very narrow-minded and I only write about a couple of things or it's because that's what I was going through at the time. So um, that's what I was writing about. But I think the finished product definitely has this feel of you know, characters who are, are lost to a searching and and people who don't quite know what to do with themselves or people that are travelling, people that are lonely. And it has a definite sort of solitude feel to it, which I tend to write about quite a lot. Not that that means I'm lonely or anything, but it just <laughs> that's what I was writing about at the time. So. Sure. Um, since you mentioned the fortune cookies, could you read us Val Kilmer's in your fortune cookie? Oh, yes, I can. Uh, it may take me a little while to find. Um, yeah, this poem was um, inspired by... I used to live in Toronto, and I actually would walk the streets and, and see Val Kilmer's name graffitied. Uh, here it is, yeah, graffitied on walls, and I, I just didn't really understand it at all, so I wrote this about you using your fortune cookie. In your gloved hand is a styrofoam cup from which you are drinking designer coffee. You are in the markets next to the vintage clothes and future. The graffiti on the wall says Val Kilmer. It is the fifth time you've seen Val Kilmer graffiti in the city. On a parking meter on Queen Street, on a stop sign in black paint around the corner from the building, on a bus spray painted in red on the mid door, so when opened reads Val Kilmer. His face photocopied and stuck to the wall in the annex, lips painted pink. A friend of yours, well not really a friend, but someone who you hang out with and play pool with, tells you that Val Kilmer was written on the wall next to the urinal at a restaurant and that he almost pissed on it when drunk. But he's embarrassed to tell the story. You promise to keep it top secret. You compose anagrams, Marvel Ilk, All Rev Key, Barnicule. Type his name into Google. His middle name is Edward. Height is just over six feet. Interesting fact that he never wanted to be in Top Gun anyway. Obligations in contract. Famous line, you can be my living man anytime. It is Saturday night and you take a walk to Blockbuster to hire three movies for an all-night Belkillman marathon. You invite your lover to cook popcorn and to massage your feet. In the middle of the doors, you make love. Val Kilmer is Jim Morrison. Val Kilmer singing like my fire. Val Kilmer in leather pants. In the morning, you call the city council and leave a message. You're making a general inquiry about the disproportional references to Val Kilmer in the downtown area and wonder if they know anything. If they have, perhaps, funded any projects to revamp the city, know of any local artists, any arrests, anything at all. You leave your number, expect a return call, but never get it. You compose chords and rhyme lines for a song. Val, oh my Val Kilmer, why, oh why, this is killing me, Val Kilmer, and singing in the streets. Earn enough money, dropped in your hat to buy a money hangover. For a photographic essay, you compose images, sorry, you expose images for your slideshow of graffiti in multicolour and headshots in black and white. You design a spreadsheet. Type in sightings and times and measurements. You imagine you're on a crime show, prime time. You stop and rewind, pause to fast forward, write this poem, read it aloud, hold your breath, and signal the time for applause with the closing of pages. 
You look for suspects in the streets, the obvious, the boy with the deer hunting cap, the one who hangs on the street corners asking for change to buy cigarettes, and the unexpected, the old hunchback in the Chinatown grocery store buying fortune cookies and green tea, laughing as you become obsessed with celebrity. You design your own fortune, bake it within sweet biscuits, crack it open at midnight. You will never solve certain mysteries. This is not how it is supposed to read. I was hoping you might actually sing us the Val Kilmer song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't that, hear my voice this time of morning. <laughs> that might be too much to ask. <laughs> um, it, there's a lot of playfulness in that, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the inclusion of, I guess, a celebrity like Val is, is playful, but um, you do a lot of play in your poetry. Mm -hmm. I guess I, I guess what I touched on before about writing about loneliness and solitude a lot is that that would completely weigh down a poem or a collection of poems and I wouldn't really want to be known or I wouldn't want to be writing about sad things all the time. So I do, I think, deliberately put a lot of playful things in it and I hope, I hope to think that I'm a playful kind of person anyway so it's you know not something that I'm... Uh, doing because I need to, like I, I do think that comes out, but it's I I like the contrast of, of weight and light together and I like to have one line or like a really dark line and then juxtapose that with a, with a playful thing just so readers or even myself can not be completely weighed down with anything and, and maybe having a laugh after feeling quite depressed about something, I think that's important in poetry and, and mainly I think that's important in life to not get bogged down in, in things that are really stressful or things that are really upsetting. It's to grimace through the pain and laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's one of my favorite emotions is laughter through tears. <laughs> like you, you're crying and someone comes and tells you a joke and you know you spit out snot because you're in balls of laughter. I, I think that's amazing. And do you think you know that we need to be more conscious about the playful, fun aspect of poetry, to not treat it as a kind of, you know, somber, um, sonorous sort of medium, but rather a medium that does invite the reader to join in. I do think so, and I think especially if we're thinking about getting kids involved in poetry, I think it's important not to bog them down and not to have poetry being something that is really, really scary and really deep and everything. Like, I think if you're getting kids to write poetry or to read poetry for the first time, it needs to be something that is accessible and something that they can easily relate to um, that is potentially fun and has the ability to make people really relate to it in a fun kind of way. So, you know, kids that are reading poetry for the first time aren't put off forever and never write again and then lose a whole generation of poets. Sure. Now, can you uh, just read us one more? Um, your book opens with a, a quite a playful little poem, Begin With a Gift. And I spent a lot of time going back and forth to see if I'd missed something on page 27. <laughs> uh, no, you hadn't. <laughs> um, I, do you want me to read that one? Yes, or, please. Okay. Uh, begin With a Gift. Begin to read and find an inscription on page 27. Proof that you are paying attention. I am. Please don't worry. I am. And a kind of test. It is quite playful. I did deliberately put that into, I 
biggest challenge a reader, but also to not expect to find anything on page 27 because that's, I guess, what life is about. And you're sort of given clues about what might happen in your life and then uh, you get to it and it's not really there. Oh, well, I say that now, but it wasn't a conscious thing at the time. I'm <laughs> just probably making that up. But that's, I, I did want to, I don't want everything to be easy in poetry and I don't want you know, people to go to yeah, page 27 and go, oh, well, exactly, that's what she meant. So, sure. I mean, I was thinking that at my launch, maybe I would write people things on page 27, but I didn't in Adelaide. <laughs> See them all desperately flipping the book. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a special bonus track, which don't worry, I won't ask you to read, because I think that might be a hard read. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's quite, um, I guess, it, it's quite enjoyable as a reader to be reminded of different mediums when we're reading as well. Yeah. Yeah, I um, used to be in a band, so I think there are a lot of musical references in, in the collection as a whole. And um, that poem actually wasn't going to go at the back as in a special bonus track. It was going to be in the middle. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, Ryan, who used to edit VoiceWorks magazine, and he types it the um, the book. He said, well, "Why don't you put that at the back? It makes perfect sense to put it at the back." And and you know, I can't believe I didn't think of that myself, but it was it's so obvious to have that at the back. And I do like I do like um, writing, exploring other mediums. I like you know poetry as graffiti or or poetry on on different places around town and things like that. So yeah, to have it in the to have musical references throughout and to have, I guess, it mimicking the special bonus track on a CD um, is something that I really am quite proud of. Mm. And your band, Emergency Crank Radio? Yeah, well, we broke up. And we, I'm in the process of forming another band, um, maybe. So, yeah, we were um, a band in Adelaide that didn't really last very long. We put out a demo. Um, I kind of joke that the songs that I wrote were were kind of poems that weren't quite good enough to make it. <laughs> I think you can get away with a lot in songs. Like, in a way, um, cliches work a lot better in songs than they do in poetry. I believe Ryan works a lot better in songs than it does in poetry. And, mm. um, you, can contradict, yeah. you can contradict yourself and mix metaphors more. Yeah, definitely. And people don't take the song lyrics as seriously, I don't think, as they do poetry. Now, did you do? You, are you writing? So you're writing the songs for the band, or you wrote the songs for the band? Uh, I wrote a lot of songs for the last band, and uh, my best friend and I will probably write the the new songs for the new band, or we might use some old ones as well. I'm not really sure. It's very very early days. And and do you find um, that there's kind of an overlap for you? in terms of the performance of a poem, say, and the performance of a song, that, that you know, that in, in both senses, you're working the audience in similar ways? Uh, that's interesting. I, I guess there is in the way that you have to put yourself out there and you have to almost become a character um, because you are, you're revealing so much of yourself through the poem. So it's, I find that I don't necessarily reveal a lot of myself on stage because I know that that comes off in my work. Um, yeah, there's definitely an overlap. I get a lot more nervous when I'm in the band situation because there's so much that can go wrong in terms of my voice cracking when I'm singing. 
um, which is, I mean, my voice cracks when I perform poetry as well, but I think that's a little bit different and not so devastating. <laughs> it just doesn't sound as bad when you do it when you're speaking, but when you're singing and, and you don't hit a note or you, you're trying to sustain a note and you lose it halfway through because you sound like a 12-year-old boy, then that's just plain embarrassing, but with poetry it can nerves, I guess, can um, be okay. There's, there's a way you can get away with it, I think, in poetry, um, but probably not in music. And also, I play the wrong chords quite a lot in the band, so I just, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm a good... Do, are you ever tempted to bring along a guitar or something as a prop <laughs> when you do a poetry reading? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I, I don't think I could do that. Keep, I don't think. Keep them quite separate then. Yeah, I do keep them quite separate. Now tell me a bit about Express Media. We talked a bit about, um, you know, sort of getting younger people involved in poetry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Express Media is a national organisation uh, dedicated to fostering the development and promotion of young writers and media creators in Australia. So um, we publish a magazine called VoiceWorks. It comes out quarterly. We publish uh, writers and artists under 25. Um, and we have other projects like the John Marsden Prize for Young Australian Writers, um, which is every year. Um, we have a few other projects. Like we just did a, a national conference for student editors around the country, and we have reviewing projects and things like that. But we're generally, like if anyone's a young writer and they haven't been published before, I generally say VoiceWorks is a really good place to start because just by having only writers under 25, you're narrowing the pool. Like it's very, very hard to get published anyway, but it's harder when you're competing with, you know, people who have been writing for years, who've been, you know, publishing for years as well, um, and when age isn't necessarily taken into consideration. So, yeah, we publish poetry and prose, and the John Marsden Prize also encourages people to submit the first chapter of their novel if they're writing a novel. So. It's mainly an encouraging kind of thing and, and an organisation that delivers opportunities for young writers in Australia. Mm. And, and, you know, has there been a lot of um, participation? Do you find it, is it changing over the years? Uh, I've been working there since May, but I've been involved with Express Media since I was relatively young. I, I, I got published in VoiceWorks when I was young. Um, it's hard to know whether it's changed. I think with every new staff member, especially an artistic director, they're always going to bring their own flavour to it. So there, there are projects that went on, you know, a couple of years ago that aren't going on now. And I'm trying to get more of a national feel because, I mean, we're based in Melbourne, so of course a lot of our projects are going to be Melbourne, Melbourne-centric. So um, I've kind of got a plan that there are going to be projects in every state in the next three or four years. Uh, there's a project in Adelaide next week, so that's a good start. Um, we we also have a grant round called Right in Your Face, which is a, a funding opportunity for young people under 30, and that's a new project that was given to us by the Australian Council. So, yeah, they definitely it's definitely changing. I think maybe 21 years ago when it first started, it was very much a community organisation that really relied on on help from from citizens but now it's much more you know we're government funded so there are lots of things we have to do but um, it's probably it's still got that community feel like we get people in every day coming to photocopy their zines 
or to talk about their latest performance and stuff like that. So it's it hasn't lost anything that um, may have been around before, but I think it's just got a little bit more project-based. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, I have to ask you about the Kutsi quote on the front cover of the book. <laughs> um, was that a buzz for you? Oh, definitely, definitely. I was... Well, I emailed him and asked him to write a quote, and he he didn't say yesterday, which was good because he he wanted to read the he wanted to read first a couple of poems, and then he said he wanted to read the whole collection. So, um, yeah, there was sort of a bit of waiting for a while, thinking, oh no, what if he says no? Well, doesn't an doesn't answer at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just thinking, oh, I've really put myself on the line here, but he came back with something good, and he's. Um, a lovely man for that, and and he's yeah he's just fantastic. So I was very happy to get that. Yeah, that's that's lovely. Um, and it, it took me a while to find it, but actually, ambulances and dreamers is not your first book, is it? No, it's my second book. Kind of published another one in two thousand and three called Urban Schools. I'm surprised that you found it actually. <laughs> um, not many people can. I don't even think I have a copy list. But um, yeah, that came out when I was really quite young um, through Jim and Dara Press. And tell me about it. Tell me about the book and and the inspiration for it. Uh, that was really um, kind of I I refer to that as a bit of my rites of passage collection because it's, I don't think it's very mature. I think it's very you know young writer steps out and publishes her first poem. <laughs> it's kind of um, I think it's naive and very emotional and very here is my heart <laughs> here is the page I'm putting it on um, not that ambulances and dreams isn't but urban squeeze is definitely more so which I think is fine like for a, a young person that's what they should be writing about you know you should be writing about your emotions because I mean I hadn't really experienced that much when I was writing that um, sure. and of course you haven't like no one expects a 25 year old to really be writing about huge things. Mm. And and I guess that emotional point that you know that sense of immediate pain or immediate um, confusion is probably the you know the source of of poetry, and always will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that's probably what I'll be writing about for a long time. Like I'm, I mean, at the moment I'm writing about a particular event, so that's challenging me in a different way. It's not writing from my point of view, it's writing from character's point of view. Um, and it's writing about it's writing about a blackout. So it's very different to what I've written before. You really have to think you have to be, you know, sympathetic and you have to have empathy for, for other people and other characters that you're writing about and I think be more imaginative because you're not writing by yourself and you really have to search for the things that you may not have experienced. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what I write about next. This is is this the verse novel? Well, it's not necessarily a verse novel. It might may turn into a verse novel. It's pretty early days. Um, at the moment, I sort of describe it as a collection of interlinked poems because they're kind of interlinked characters. They're all trying to get home in the middle of the blackout. Um, so it does have a a sort of narrative arc, but it's not necessarily a traditional verse novel. I'm not. I'm not sure if there is such a thing as a traditional <laughs> verse novel. No, there's probably not. Maybe I'm just being kind of coy about it because I don't know how to write them. <laughs> yeah. 
I suppose that having to have a plot is is quite different. I mean, that's maybe that's the thing that um, yeah. is different between a collection of poetry and a, a you know a, a group of poetry that you'd call a novel. Yeah, I think that's probably the the main thing. And this doesn't necessarily have a plot. It's just set in in a particular time and a particular night. So uh, there are over overarching themes, but yeah, there's no overall plot. So yeah, I can get away with saying it's not a birth novel. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, what other projects and sort of you know writerly desires um, are there out there on your horizon? On my horizon? Yes. Um, it's a good question. Uh, at the moment, I'm experiencing quite a lot of writer's block, which is always interesting to try to get through. So um, I've given myself, instead of a deadline, I've given myself a start line of March the 1st, where I start writing again, and I'll be working on the Blackout um, collection for a long time. Um, and then after that, I have no idea. I have, cannot think that far in the future. <laughs> Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, have you thought about, um, you know, doing something? I, I kind of asked you this before, and you said you kept them separate, but, you know, doing something multimedia-oriented that brings in some of your other areas of interest? Um, as in, a, like, a musical? Something like that, yeah. Anything. Um, not really, because I do quite like to keep that separate, I think. Um, no, I think, I mean, creatively... I thrive on, on if I'm doing something creative, then I feel that that's the way to live. And at the moment, a lot of my creative energy is going into into my work situation, so I'm not necessarily thinking about my personal um, creativity at the moment, which sounds like a complete excuse, and it probably is. <laughs> I probably need to really sit down and work out what's going on in my own creative life because... You know, obviously I do want to keep writing and I do want to keep doing music, but um, yeah, I probably would keep them separate. I don't think that I have the talent or the the ambition or the um, the creativity to put them together and have them successful because I like to concentrate on one thing at a time. It, that sort of personality. It may be a different audience as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I don't know that I could pull that off. <laughs> But but it, it raises an interesting question and the whole I, the whole notion of, of block in that, you know, you've got this, I guess, this fairly full-on job directing express media mm-hmm. and presumably that's what pays the bills as well. <laughs> um, I know that poetry doesn't pay the bills. I can speak yeah. personally. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite an interesting balance that one has to toe between one thing where everybody's kind of wanting you to do work and calling your name and another thing that's only internally motivated. Mm. And how you tow that line, I guess, is an interesting question. Yeah, exactly. And that's why the start line for me is very important because it will be, I will be going to work, you know, four days a week and then maybe that Friday that I don't work, I won't have any more. I will actually say no to people and, and not meet people for coffee and, and say, no, this is my writing day. I'm not going to be available to do anything else. Or even spending one hour a night um, writing instead of doing other things, instead of hanging out with people or or doing things that I really like. Because <laughs> probably at the end of the day, like if I, it's so easy to do things that you want to do. And it's not that I don't like writing poetry, I do like writing poetry, but it's so easy to just say, no, no, I'm going to do that tomorrow and then I'm hanging out with whoever tonight and not worry about it at the moment. So it is about telling the line and it is about. Um, 
not necessarily thinking about the end product, which I guess is the difference to working at Express Media is that everything you're working on, you can kind of see it come and you can kind of see that it's worked before and you're just working at it. Whereas writing poetry, you don't really know where it's going, so there's a bit more of a risk involved, I guess. Sure. But I guess you also have, bit, you have to keep, it's okay, you have to keep fronting up, otherwise you kind of lose that perspective. Yeah, exactly. And in a work situation, yeah, you have a lot of people expecting you to do well and expecting you to provide opportunities for young people, whereas probably if I don't write another book for five years, that's going to be okay. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. That's all we have time for today, but thank you for um, joining us, Belle. Thank you for having me. Our next show will take quite a different turn with funny man Terry Denton dropping by to talk to us about his new Wombat and Fox Thrill Seekers book. So um, we'll see what poetry we can draw out of that. See you then. Thanks very much.